So welcome to this week's episode of Make the Connection. I'm Taylor Ward, and I'm sitting here with Jennifer Stevens, President and CEO of JHL Company. Thanks for having me on, Jen. Thanks for being here. Yeah. So since I may be unfamiliar to some of our listeners, let me introduce myself before we get started. Before joining JHL, I previously worked in the Texas Senate for about five years, where I was able to learn the legislative process and gain firsthand experience on what happens inside the Capitol. So for the past year, I've actually been working and learning from Jennifer as the public policy director here at JHL. So Jen, I know our previous episodes have focused on the events and nonprofit consulting side of JHL, but let's switch gears and spend some time talking about our work on public affairs, and your advice for building a successful campaign strategy or communication strategy. Perfect. Let's do it. Cool. Okay. So as you and I both know, we're living in a digital age where we're connecting with others, and it's never been easier or more important. One of your favorite Jenniferisms is what we call them, that I hear you say all the time is that politics isn't simply about stakes and handshakes anymore. What exactly do you mean by that? Well, you know, let me start by saying the role of a traditional lobbyist, the relationship building that lobbyists do day in and day out, whether it's an in-house lobbyist with an association or an organization or corporation, or whether it's an external hired gun lobbyist, that role is critically important, and that importance has never changed. Politics is a relationship business, and people do business with people they know and trust. And so that one-on-one relationship between a lobby member and a legislative member and the legislative staff is, is critical. The not just stakes and handshakes comes in because what's happening now is a lobbyist is having a meeting. They're talking about an issue. They're going out to dinner. They're diving in, you know, and taking a deep dive on an issue. And they leave, and the next morning, the legislative staff and the legislator are in their office, and what are they doing? They're, they're staring at social media. They're looking at Twitter. They're looking at Facebook. They're looking at emails that their constituents are sending in. And so all of the conversation that happened the night before uh, at dinner, it, it's, it's getting influenced by outside influences that next morning. And so the lobby team needs the air cover or, if you will, the reinforcement of the message that they're trying to communicate. They need that reinforcement coming through directly back to that member and directly back to that legislative staff so that they see it, they hear it, they learn more about it, you know, in that meeting or at that at dinner, and then the next morning, look at that. There it is. It's in my social media feed. There's an op-ed on the issue, or there's an email from an important person back in my district on the issue. But um, it's it's about creating just a, a total communication strategy around an issue to give the air cover to both the lobby member as well as the legislator to be able to go forward with whatever the position is they're trying to accomplish. Perfect. Perfect. And I I think that's really good. Um, One thing that I, one perspective I like to give is when I was a staffer at the Capitol, that is something that we always appreciated, is giving the air cover to to our boss and saying, wow, we can actually support this position and feel like we're not going to get raked over the coals when we go back to the district and talk about it. Well, that's that's an important point. And, you know, maybe I'll pause and say this. So, you know, I'm the child of a legislator. My dad served in the Texas legislature for 18 years. And, you know, I think it's easy uh, to be critical of our elected officials. I think it's uh, in this day and age, you know, it's it's the pitch can can reach a fever point very quickly. But let me say this. You try doing the job. 
You make $7,000 a year. You're away from your family almost entirely because you're either serving or you're running for re-election, especially in the House where you're running every two years. And on any given session, how many bills get filed? 3,000? You know, sometimes more? So how, as a legislator with a small staff making a whopping seven grand a year, are you supposed to be able to take a deep dive in on any issue, any bill, and fully understand the ramifications? As, a, as an elected official and as a staffer serving that elected official, you absolutely need to know you've got air cover at home on a particular, you know, issue. You absolutely need a lobbyist to come in and help you be able to dissect and understand the, the left and the right and the middle of any given issue. And, and so this air cover is just a piece of the equation of what really makes a legislator more, more, uh, more effective in doing their job. Perfect. Perfect. So with the 2019 legislative session recently ending, we know that now is the time to start preparing and cultivating our messages, support, communications plans for the next session. What do you think is the best strategy to create a message that encourages others to care about what you're advocating for? Well, so first of all, grassroots engagement is not a turn it on and turn it off thing. And the clients that we've had over the years that turn it on in November, December, and then they turn it off in June or July, and then they come back and go, oh, man, we're going to need that again. They, they are stepping over a dollar to pick up a dime. They're costing themselves money because they don't keep a consistent message going forward and continuing uh, to outreach to the grassroots, whatever grassroots demographic it might be. And, and people see through that, right? I think people are very in tune to, oh, well, look at Johnny Come Lately, who's back in my, you know, social media feed now that the legislature's back. Where's this guy been for the last, you know, year or 18 months? So the efforts that I see that are the most successful in building a grassroots base of support for whatever it is, be it a particular issue or or an entire entity, maybe an association, and their importance of their member companies to the state, for example. The people that I see that do it the most successful are the people that treat it as an important piece of their overall public affairs strategy every day, all day long, so that you're not asking a big lift of any one person. You're very softly educating people. Here's who we are. Here's why you should consider caring about who we are. Here's an example of something we're doing in your community that comes back to the importance of who we are and why you should care about us. And you consistently build that almost like, you know, muscle memory and exercise. It almost becomes like muscle memory. So, oh, you know, I'll use the example of the Automobile Dealers Association. Um, they're an easy example for me to give. Automobile dealers make up 16% of the state retail sales in the entire state of Texas. They employ thousands and thousands of people. They're present in over, you know, 1,300 different communities in our state. So, you know, their reach is significant. But I think day in and day out, if you go down the street to a Starbucks and say, hey, do you care about your local car dealer? You probably don't get a yes. But if you begin to understand that Often it's the t-ball teams and the hospitals and the rodeos and all of these various things that are sponsored by a local car dealer. And then you tell the story and you say, oh, did you know the United Way Fund was 
sponsored by this, or the Easter Seals was sponsored by that. By the way, they provide high-paying, you know, jobs, and you often see multi-generational, you know, members of a family working for them. When you start telling that story and telling that story, then John Q. Public, you know, who's paying attention begins to say, oh, wait a minute, I don't know if I can just say, yeah, sure, I care about my car dealer. Maybe I can, maybe I can't. But I damn sure understand the value that that employer brings to my community. And then when the Automobile Dealer Association needs to be able to say, hey, we need help on this issue. It's going to cost us jobs. Now it's real to people because people understand you've been educating over the last, call it year, 18 months. And they understand if this is going to cost jobs, it's probably also going to cost my Little League sponsorship, my Easter Seals donation, my hospital sponsorship, et cetera. And it becomes much more real. So it's about helping people understand why they should understand an issue, how it directly impacts their life, critically important. Why should I care? You've got to tie it back to why and how it directly impacts their life. And then just a drumbeat of making sure they consistently care. Yeah. And making it about them is one thing that I've learned. You have to make them understand everything that we do at the Capitol is going to impact them in one way or another, whether it's any anything any sort of policy issue that we take care of, it's going to impact them some way or another. Absolutely. And if you think about it, you know, we're all busy. We all have lives. People have got sick relatives, you know, deaths and divorces and births and, uh, you know, job obligations and travel obligations and all these things. We all have these things, you know, children that are, are, are keeping us busy and preoccupied all day. Um, so if it's not about them, if it isn't explained to them why and how an issue can directly impact their quality of life and why they should care about it, then they won't. And you've got to do that in what I like to call the stoplight time frame. If you can't explain it in the amount of time that mom's sitting at a stoplight who glances down and, and does a little reading of a headline or, or whatever— you know, that's about how long you've got to capture someone and make sure you're communicating, which is why you've got to be very, very focused and tight on your message. So once that message that you're talking about is in place, what do you think the steps are for your public affairs team to start laying the groundwork to sharing that message? Well, it's a good question. I mean, Texas is big and uh, that's great, but that's expensive. So what I try to do is, you know, it's an elephant, and the only way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. So you've got to prioritize. So who are the key legislators? I don't think we should be eating elephants. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> you've got to prioritize legislators and legislative districts. Which ones are the ones that are going to be most important to seeing and hearing from their constituents? Which ones are the ones you're going to be relying on to carry that legislation, support the person carrying that legislation, which committees are going to be most relevant? How are you going to engage? So that the way you can begin to prioritize your grassroots outreach is by working backwards. You know, at the end of the legislative session, who's going to have been your hero or heroes? And how are you going to begin to cultivate them and the people around them that are going to be necessary to reach success? Once you've identified those targeted legislators and those targeted legislative districts, then you work within those districts. Who are the key constituencies within that district that are going to be relevant to the issue and important to get educated? On any given issue, 
That may change. Maybe it's a chamber of commerce or rotary-type crowd. Maybe it's a social services-type crowd. Maybe it's mad moms, you know, on an issue. Whatever it is. But work backwards in identifying those key legislative districts. And this is where our relationship—by the way, I should pause and say— All of these public affairs efforts, this grassroots, this digital, this messaging, that all has to happen hand in hand, you know, hand in glove, tight knit coordination between your lobby team, a traditional marketing team for a corporation, for example, and then your public affairs team. Those three have to be in complete unison. You would never want to send your public affairs team off to develop a grassroots strategy without the input, direction, sign-off, and engagement of your lobby team. This all should be working cohesively together. But you target those districts, you target the key opinion leaders within those districts that are going to be relevant to the issue, and then you dive in, and it's hand-to-hand combat. You begin to make outreach, you make phone calls, you build relationships, you have conversations, you begin to create messaging, you test that messaging a little bit, and then you step out, step out, step out, step out, and continue to build and continue to build. And, and, and it, you know, it starts with phone calls and maybe some letters. It starts with some light touch social media, some did you know facts that are easy to digest, and you just keep building from there. And that's why you can't stop. Because it takes a long time to build, it takes a long time to educate and engage somebody, and then you have to retain them. Absolutely. And public affairs done right is engagement full-time, year-round, and it's something you have to start early with. No question. Or you can start late, but you can just add a zero to the budget because it's going to cost you a lot of money to effectively turn it on and off. You can turn it on and off, but if you want to be effective in what you're doing, you start early and keep going or you prepare to budget significantly. So what do you think the importance of legislators knowing that there's actually pre-existing support for your agenda before 2021 gets here? Well, I think it's critical. I mean, if you think about the political life cycle here in Texas, you've got six months out of every two years where you've got corporations, associations, private citizens, entities, organizations, they're down here in Austin, and they're asking for something, whatever it is, do this or please don't do that. Right. For the next 18 months, legislators are back in their districts and they're thinking about two things. One, re-election. And two, what am I going to work on next session? Some of that is done for them. The announcement of interim studies on certain topics, you know, the sunset process, those things. But the rest of them are sitting there thinking, what am I going to do next session so that when I run for re-election again, I'm in a position personally to reach success? So the process itself lends itself to being able to build and sustain strong grassroots support. Because while legislators are in their district looking to run for re-election, and looking to figure out where they're going to focus next session, you've got an opportunity to walk in the door, tell your story, and to begin to build a really strong relationship at that ground level. How important is it? You said it yourself as a former staffer. How important is it? You've got people coming in your office all day long, every day. Everybody's got their hand out making a request, do this, don't do that. You've got 2,000, 3,000, whatever it is, pieces of legislation You are supposed to be able to work with your boss 
and know which way to go on each piece of legislation and every amendment to each piece of legislation. You have to be able to pick up the phone and know back home who those experts are you can call on to help you guide your your boss. And your boss, your legislator, needs to know the same, right? As a, I'm a former staffer. I didn't work in the legislative process, but I was Senator Cornyn's legislative director when he was attorney general. We had any number of issues flying at us every single day of the legislative session. Plus, we had legislators calling saying, is the state going to be able to defend this if we pass it as a law? I mean, Senator Cornyn is a hell of a lawyer, and by the way, a hell of a senator for the state of Texas. But we're all only as good as the information we have. And so we constantly called on people that we knew were experts in various fields to be able to guide us in those policy decisions as we were looking ahead. And one thing that I always used to say when somebody would come into my office, I would say, help me help you. 100%. And that, that is what grassroots support does? 100%. So one thing that we're constantly developing is strategy for fostering relationships with legislators during session but what about now? What about during the interim? And what do you think is the best strategy? Well, you know, to be honest, it, it, it's interesting to me. I think there is a perception uh, that legislators are hard to reach, maybe aloof, uh, maybe egotistical. And certainly there could be some of that. But by and large, the people that I have worked with over the past well, let's not date myself. Let's say more than two decades and leave it at that. But by and large, the people that I have worked with over more than two decades and the people that I've known, quite frankly, my entire life are by and large really good people. They're small business owners. They're local community leaders. They've got families. They want to do what's best. Very, very few people run for the office for the sake of running for office. Most people run for office because they want to impact change or better their community, their families' lives, and their friends' lives within that community in some way. So the opportunity to build a relationship with them is actually, it's there. It's omnipresent. So the first thing I tell people is, go meet them. Go request a meeting and sit down and thank them for taking a half hour to visit with you. Be very succinct. Here is who I am. Here is why I am here. Here's the three or four things I'd like you to know, and I'd like to be able to stay in touch with you on the issue. There is not a member that I can think of of the Texas legislature that wouldn't respect a meeting like that and be willing to take it. So that grassroots relationship building starts at that level, and then it continues. You can't go in, meet them once, and expect to come back January of the session year and make some big request. You've got to cultivate that relationship the way you would cultivate any other. Right. And cultivating that relationship during the interim is the most important thing because they have time to meet with you. Absolutely. They have time. And remember, what are the two things they're doing? They're looking to get reelected. So they want to meet with people who are influential within their district. And they're looking for where they're going to focus next session. So if you bring them an issue that is interesting, you bring them an, in an issue that is relevant to their district. And, and we'll, something that has the support behind it. And something that has support, you may become what they decide to run with next session. So let's go back to earlier you had said, let's add a zero if you don't start early. How do you think you can budget for success 
And what are the key components for organizations to consider when creating a budget for their public affairs work? Well, I think you have to budget for public affairs the way you budget for lobbyists. And, you know, what I see happen um, is one of two things. So, you know, obviously we're a small firm. We're going to be less expensive than, you know, the bigger firms here in town who I guess are our competitors. They certainly wouldn't see us as a competitor, but I see them as a competitor, you know, and and they're going to be much more expensive. But some people want that big name brand. They want that national brand. And I understand that. But but what I see happen a lot of times is people say, oh, you know, we got to keep our lobbyists now. We got to keep them on retainer. And, you know, we pay them 5000 a month or 10000 a month or whatever it is, right? We got to keep them involved. Um, but you guys, you know, we'll let you know when we need you again. And the reality is you should be budgeting your public affairs efforts consistent with what you're budgeting your lobby efforts. So if you've got a big lobby team and, and you've got those folks on retainer year round, all year, every year, because you want to make sure they're ready you know, they're at the ready for you, right? That's, I, I completely concur with that logic. I think it's important. But the second piece is just as important. And so you should budget appropriately and proportionately. You're budgeting for air cover. You're budgeting to help your lobbyists and you be more effective at what you're trying to get done. Yep, for sure. So as we both know, politics is a long game. What is your final advice for your internal public affairs teams whose leadership is expecting quick wins? Well, you know, I think anybody who understands politics at all understands there is no such thing as a quick win. And if you do get a quick win, they often come with such torched earth, you're never going to get a win again. So you need to be very careful with that. Uh, what I see happen more often than not is it's not so much our direct client uh, who doesn't understand that this is a long game. I think our clients do, but I think they have board members who don't understand politics, who work in different industries where things happen because they say so, and they don't understand the longevity and the importance of cultivating and working through the process. And if you want you know, if you have an issue that goes from A to Z in the first session you're working on it, you may go A to D. And you've got to get, then go from D to, you know, in the next session. And there's bite-sized ways to get things done so that you don't end up with torched earth and you are able to be effective on the other issues coming at you. Um, so that that's hard because, again, our clients directly, I think, by and large, understand this is not a one-and-done kind of thing. You've got to plan for the marathon and not the sprint. So how do you handle the board? Well, quite frankly, I think you need a president of an association or, and or lobby leaders in an association or a corporation who will turn to that board and will say, you have to plan right now that what we're going to try to do is going to take us this number of sessions. And Oh, you know, let's under-promise and over-deliver. So, you know, if there's an issue that, that a lobby team advises you is going to take, call it three sessions, then I would sit down with that leadership and say, this could take four to five. And so if it ends up taking three to four, <laughs> you look like you hit it out of the park. But just being honest about expectations, I think is very important. I think you and I both know there are a lot of people in this town who will make a lot of promises 
And that's a very short-sighted approach to this business because at the end of the day, it is incredibly difficult to go from A to Z in one legislative session. Absolutely. It's all great advice. Do you have anything else? Yeah. You know, I think one other key point to that um, to that conversation is this. Let's say you do go A to Z. Let's say you get what you want in a legislative session. Does that mean you're done? Does that mean you dial back your lobby team, you dial back your public affairs, you put a check mark next to it in your file and you call it done? Absolutely not. Because guess what? You've got to protect it the next legislative session. You've got to potentially tweak it the next legislative session. Maybe the the agenda that you pursued worked in a way different than what your expectation was. It's not what you need. You've got to make sure that you sustain that grassroots, sustain that messaging, sustain that relationship building, because even if you, quote, get your wins, you will have issues in the following legislative sessions, and you need to have been continually working. Absolutely. We know each legislative session is an opportunity to gain ground, and each new relationship with a lawmaker and their staff is is a chance to find a new champion for your issue. So overall, would you say the main piece of advice is start early and don't stop? Yes. Start early, don't stop. And then the other piece of advice is you are what you tweet. And it is still amazing to me in 2019 how many clients will say to us or potential clients will say to us, well, do you really think we have to be on social media? And and it's just, it's truly laughable because, it, it, again, going back to, you know, I advise anybody who's questions whether or not they need to be on social media to sit in the gallery of the House or the Senate when the legislature is in session and look out and look down at what those legislators are doing. They are all staring at their phones. They are all looking at their iPads. They are all watching the hashtag TXLedge feed to see what people are doing and saying on any given issue. So you are what you tweet. And if you are tweeting nothing, (laughs) your efforts are probably going nowhere. You have got to be present in each space where they are. And they are on social media. By the way, that's a great opportunity for you. Because if they are on social media and they are looking and reading what's happening on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, and you've done your job and you've captured that grassroots base and you've got them commenting and pushing your message on Facebook or pushing your message on Twitter, then you're just giving even more air cover to that legislator to support you in the vote. For sure. We almost should have made this two podcasts. Okay. Let's do it again. (laughs) Well, I think that's it for this week's Make the Connection podcast. Be sure to share this with all of your networks and anyone who may need that nudge to get their efforts moving. Thanks for listening.